Welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. This is Ryan Parker. We are so glad to have you along for another conversation about Beartown. But before we get to that, just a little recap of what we've been watching this week. Ryan, I finished Last Chance U Basketball, the first season of basketball of okay. Last Chance U. And I was weeping, openly weeping, so much so that Courtney's little 11-pound rescue dog jumped up in my lap to comfort me during the oh, wow. closing. And it's interesting, Courtney, who has not been watching that show with me, was like in the living room folding laundry. And she just I, I, I she just turned around and stood there for about 10 minutes with it holding a towel. I'm, I'm just setting the scene for you, holding a towel and watching it. And she was crying and she hadn't even been watching oh, the wow. show. So it was wow. really intense. I mean, the 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 coach of the basketball team profiled in this latest season of the last chance you is really just one of the the best human beings you'll ever see on on a screen well i hung, was hanging out with a couple guys last night who work in the industry who talked about watching it and how compelling the coach yeah is was in the series Truly. so that's good to know i'll have to check it out i just finished before we started recording this episode i just finished sky rojo on netflix which I think is an absolute killer serial. I think it's one that many of our listeners probably would not watch. It has some scenes of intense sexual assault. It has descriptions about every type of sex act you could imagine. Mm-hmm. And but I also think it paints it, it, it paints prostitution, sex work, and and a light that made me think about, and I've talked about it here before, Chris Hedges yeah. comment that, you know, it is the end of like such decadence, if you will, or I'm going to put this in quotes, depravity mm-hmm. is a sign of a declining empire. And that women who engage in that type of work often don't have another choice of anything else to do or have been forced into it. And that's the side that the series takes even though it simultaneously glamorizes some of that life Uh in the sense of the party, like the party atmosphere at the club, at the strip club slash brothel. And the women are made to look incredibly attractive and are incredibly attractive, but it is at the same time up against these descriptions of what that life is like that make it completely disgusting, disturbing, what have you. And it's a kind of, high octane chase narrative because these three three women they think they've killed their pimp and they're on the run from his henchmen and you know events ensue and yeah it's a huge cliffhanger to end the first season the second season will be on netflix in july july 23rd i think but it's the same people that did money heist which you know i completely love i watched that kind of in the darker days of covid and thought that was a quite yeah. killer serial so that team is, they're doing some cool stuff. I mean, Money Heist is really compelling because Money Heist makes viewers sympathize with people who are thieves, right? bank robbers, if you will, and revolutionaries of, of a sort. And then here they kind of cast their lot with with prostitutes and strippers. And it's they're doing some interesting things through their production company, Vancouver, Vancouver Productions, I think, is their company. Anyway, just finished that and we'll probably get back into servant on apple tv plus tonight or tomorrow yeah so all right 
check it out. If you are bold enough, check out Sky Rojo. Speaking of sexual assault, this is an interesting episode here at Beartown, man. And, you know, you and I, as we often do, we're texting about it last night in advance of our conversation here. It's the crux of the of the entire well, it's the crux of the novel and it's the crux of the show too that that there's a sexual assault and the sexual assault takes place on camera, which is a choice that, you know, they wouldn't have to make, obviously. They there are ways we we've all seen shows and movies where sexual assault takes place off camera and but it's very clear how traumatic it is uh, even though we don't see it. These filmmakers decided to show the sexual assault at least kind of from the shoulders up focused exclusively on Maya the girl and not Kevin the perpetrator I mean I I know you have thoughts on the sexual assault and how it was filmed I will say this for whatever shortcomings there were about the filming of the sexual assault or the way they depicted it I thought after the assault when she's walking through the party. I mean, she looks really beat up and I, you, I just think, Oh my God, to be a high school girl walking through a big house party like that, having been abused that part right at the very end of the episode, that part did really catch in my throat. Tony, I, I can't imagine how difficult it is as a, as a cinematographer, as a director, and as an actor to collaborate on um, scenes of sexual intimacy uh, of consent, much less of a sexual assault. And, you know, so I I, I preface it by when I watched the scene, it just didn't. I'll come back to what you just said, which I agree with. But I, I found the scene obviously disturbing. I mean, it's just say that yeah. up front. Yeah. But it didn't feel like it fit in the episode. And I, and I can't understand why. And I think so much of it has to do with my dislike of the character uh, of, of Kevin yeah. and more specifically the actor who portrays him and the way in which they have chosen to portray this person who I think they mean it for it to shock you, right? That this guy who seems to be very quiet, unassuming, he's friendly, very quiet. Yeah. Would, would do something like yeah. that. And I kind of took it the other way is I just didn't, I, I, I don't, I don't know how to say this. I didn't buy his aggression with her. The second yeah. it started, even though you kind of knew it was coming and he says, you know, of I'm course, a God yeah. in this right. town. We've never yeah. seen anything like that from him. in the no earlier parts of this episode or the first episode that, I think maybe we should have seen or some charisma or anything and her, which I don't really understand her attraction to him anyway. I, yeah. And maybe that's my, maybe that's my frustration with the, that sequence. I agree with you completely about her walking through that party, the trauma, the tragedy of being in the same bedroom with him, like while she's putting herself back together. Oh my gosh. Putting her clothes yeah. back on. That she, was, he, that he was, hands her, he hands her a sock and she says, thanks. Thanks. Oh gosh. Brutal. I mean, just because what's she going to do? And what's she going to do? She leaves yeah. and we'll obviously see what, what's going to happen in the next, in the next episode. But, and also Tony, and I know that you're a parent, three children, one daughter, 
and to, for that to happen so close to her home as well. Oh my gosh! Just just uh, and, just up and, the hill from her house. And you, know. you know, you know, you know. You want to while, say shouting while, let's be honest, and this seems to have been a deliberate decision too. While her parents are having sexy time, you know, yeah, down the hill. I was intrigued by, and this is what I would love to know from the writers and the and the filmmakers is, you know, that's clearly intentional because at, at in the moment you see three sexual encounters yes. or possibility of sexual encounters between. Yeah. Lit, I think I'm saying his last name right, William, yep. and the the guy that works at the bar. There's a homosexual encounter there. Yeah. Then you have a, an encounter between the husband and the wife, which is very loving and playful. And then you have this. So you, and, and it all seems to happen at the same time. And I just kind of wonder what was the intention behind cutting those together like that? I don't know yeah. if, what you took away from that. Yeah, well... That that give, brings me to a bigger issue, and that that's where you know I think it is obviously very tricky to take a novel, uh, especially a, a very acclaimed novel like this one, and put it on the screen because there's all sorts of choices, and we know like think back to all the controversy around the Harry Potter movies that mm-hmm. they were so faithful to the novels that they were almost literalistic representations of the novels Mm -hmm. and then you you know so they can become a little stiff or stilted like you know exactly what this guy's gonna say and you know exactly what's gonna happen next and then you know you get other ones that are based on novels and they vary wildly from what's actually on the written page and then some people love it and some people Mm -hmm. don't like it well this now look i haven't seen the novel but my point is this, you got to know your medium. And in a novel, you can deal, you can have sexual assault be the main crisis or, or conflict point of the novel, but you can also bring in other themes like racism against a Muslim kid, okay, which we saw. Mm-hmm. Wasn't in the first mm-hmm. episode was just in this episode. It was in the first episode very briefly. Barely. Yes, exactly. One like one exchange, one word. Okay, gay kids will will lit. William lit in the small town. Oh my gosh, he's gay and he's making out with a guy behind the bar. That's wasn't I mean, maybe we could go back and watch episode 1 and well, see he has that these it was longing looks foreshadowed, but with Kevin. Yeah, that's true while he's high. Yeah. Okay, he he yeah, maybe he's in love with Kevin, right? We've got the issue of, you know, the mom is the lawyer, the heavy-duty lawyer, Maya's mom, and she gets a job offer out of town, a, you know, a big killer job. We assume. We assume. And then and she turns it down. She never even t- talks to her husband about it. So we've got marital tension and conflict. Then we've obviously got marital, or we got huge strife between Kevin and his father. So we've got like a you know, Oedipal thing of he hates his dad, but, you know, he's got his he's got his hot stepmom or whatever. So there's just so many themes. My point is there's so many themes. And I think one of the things when you turn a complex novel into a television show, you just have to pick your lane and you can't do it all. And I got to the point of like how many different 
social issues in this town are these filmmakers going to hit upon in this hour-long episode? And it, it was, per, personally for me, it was overkill because by the time we got to the sexual assault in the last 10 minutes of the episode, I'm like, oh, I'm exhausted from everything else that's already happened in the episode. I think that may be part of my frustration with the episode. And I, I didn't quite think about it that way, but I agree with you. You texted me last night. <laughs> you know, essentially said a lot going on here. You know, there's, there's a lot here. And yeah, especially in an episode that deals like that feels like, and maybe this is to its credit, but feels like a standard sports narrative where you have the underdog kid who comes in and helps them win the big game to save the town. Right. And that there's so much to that moment because you have, it's a Muslim kid. He's undersized and he's, but he's like wicked fast, right. almost comically so compared to the rest of the guys on the ice. And, you know, so, so there's a lot going on there. And I agree with you about it feeling a little underserved. Yeah. Maybe, maybe those are seeds for us as viewers throughout the rest of the season to see mm-hmm. how they flourish or not. And, I, but that's going to be a hard thing to juggle to your point, all those things. And what do we got? Like maybe four episodes left. Right. You know, are you going to do that every episode? And if you do, it's your point. And, all, be- and the problem is, Ryan. The problem is, all you care about now is the the sexual assault. I mean, you don't really care about Amat and how fast he is. And although, I mean, you look back. I mean, let's talk about another thing. Do you think Coach Peter Anderson having Amat run into that other you know big defenseman who took him down half a dozen times? Was that believable? Because that seemed out of character for Peter Anderson. I mean, maybe he is that kind of a hard-ass coach, and maybe he was that kind of a total hard-ass guy in the NHL. But we've not heard anything about that. There's nothing that's led us to think, oh, my gosh, this coach, man, he is a total hard-ass. Like, he's going to make these kids, you know, play full-contact practice until somebody breaks their neck. We don't know that. And then all of a sudden he takes his kid off the boys team and brings him into the juniors team and has him like, you know, run into the biggest defenseman on the team over and over and over. So I, again, it's, I may, I'm sure in the novel before that scene happened, but by the time it happened, we're like, Oh yeah, of course he would do yeah, that. If it did. I, I found that to be believable, but I, I see your point. And I thought in the episode, Hey, just tell him skate faster. Like, you know, it it was funny to me that it took this. It, it took him a it, long it took time. The kid to a long that. time to get it too. Like to you can size this guy up and be like, "Hey, yeah, I can just put true. a quick little spin move on him and and score," which he obviously does. Yeah. But and Tony, this episode really gets at and supports your point that you made in our discussion about episode one about how important this team is to this town because obviously, not only yeah. if they continue to win, will you know, as you said, it brings something of an economic boost, maybe even like a cultural boost there in the town. But if they lose this game, then they're going to lose their their skate altogether. Which I was, I just thought, wow, we, we took that next level. Yeah, that that was like, yeah, that was a little more Parks and Rec, I thought, than anything. Like, if you lose this game, we're going to tear down the arena. If you win this game, we're going to build a brand new hockey school here. One and it's game. not even the finals. The it's, the, it's the semifinals. <laughs> and then, no, it's not even uh, the also the mom mid game trying to bend Coach Peter's ear about why her son is not in the starting 
lied. Oh, now, okay, Ryan. Oh, Ryan, 100%. That's the most realistic part no, of this whole episode. 100%. I wanted to text you. When- I have, I've seen parents hanging over the plexiglass, yelling at the coach in the bench to put their kid in. I, I don't see how a coach would happen. stay in that. I guarantee you, if you go- looked it up on YouTube, you'd I believe still be you one hundred percent. I just think, wow, like the the patience of these coaches to yeah. just take that, you know, and then the parent, the just the, I don't know, it's no life of a parent to like get that up in a coach's business is all. It's all fascinating <laughs> to me. It's fascinating to me. Yeah. 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 Okay, I want to talk about one more thing before we go, Ryan. Sure. And that's the what I think, you know, is the the driving conflict. If you're going to give Kevin the motivation to assault Maya, it's obviously being driven by his terrible relationship with his completely overbearing father whom he despises and yet also desperately wants to please. So I just wonder, this is such a driving... I mean, this really does. There's no... The reason this goes back to Oedipus and the the myth of Oedipus is because, of course, this is an eternal conflict between a son and his father. And you've also, you know, you've also read a manuscript of something I've written, which similarly has the father-son conflict as kind of the central driving conflict for the protagonist in general, can you think of films or shows where that's really worked extremely well? I, I think it works in this show somewhat. I just don't think we know enough about Kevin's father. Here's what's fascinating, Ryan in the novel, Kevin's father is never named. Hmm. So I'd really, I want to read this novel now to see, you know, how it was written there, but, what do you think about that central driving conflict in literature and film in general, the father-son conflict? Well, I mean, it's it's obviously a huge part of Western culture. I mean, in the narratives that we have told ourselves and whether yeah. that is art, you know, embracing life or and or vice versa. Like, I think there is, is certainly something there in trying individuals trying to become their own self and i i have many friends who have toxic relationships with their parents uh specifically their father yeah and it totally shapes who they are you can you can just see it yes and i am i have my issues even when they can't even when they can't especially especially yeah (laughs) right and i have i had a fantastic relationship with my father it wasn't perfect it wasn't long enough and I have certainly issues, but it was n- nowhere near, you know, what we see in this show. I mean, it's a different universe. Yeah. And I, I just feel like there are elements about my own life that I am super, super grateful for because I know it is born out of a healthy relationship that I have with my father, specifically my parents in yeah. general. It's an interesting theme in a series like this, but I want to go back to your first comment. I don't know that it is the force that it's the fuel for the sexual assault i feel like that's more about his performance on the ice and you know i I thought this line and i typed it here in the chat for for you just as a reminder to myself 
you know, he's talking to Maya about his dad. Yeah. And he seems to kind of idolize him and hate him at the same time. But he says, you know, he, my dad is a success because he takes what he wants. And I just thought, well, here we go. Like you just, uh, you know, yeah. hammer meat nail because like it's, it was too much. Yeah. It was too much. And, you know, I, I think that, and this is why I thought like I couldn't pin, I couldn't quite understand what drove him to sexually assault Maya. And I guess your point is, Maybe it, maybe it, the, I guess I maybe, I guess you. maybe it's I your, I mean, why does it have to have a reason? I, you know, it's a power thing. It's, you know, a distorted view of masculinity and sexuality, which you often don't think about in, in like European shows, right? Because Europe has a bit more progressive view of sexuality. Yeah. I think not to say that sexual assault does not happen in Europe. I'm not saying that, but it, it seems like, they're wanting us to think that maybe that's part of it. And I just don't buy that connection. He's trying to model his father. And so he's going to rape this young girl. I do, do you think that's what is behind that is, I mean, or do you think that's what the writer's intention is? And maybe we, it's just not landing with us. Yes. That's what I'm saying. I, I do think, I do think that's the point is that this kid is so, has so had the pins knocked out from under him. He's this incredible hockey player. He's got a terrible relationship with his father who drives him. And yet, because his father has driven him so hard, that's why he's as good of a hockey player as he is. And then Maya sees right through him and is basically like, we don't have anything in common. All you do is play hockey. That's your yeah. whole life is hockey. And he's like, oh, no, it's not. And yeah. he's like, well, actually, yeah, it is. My whole life is hockey. But I agree, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, that's what I found lacking as well, is that this kid who seems like great on the ice and this very kind of browbeaten kid, I, I don't know. Again, it's so weird to talk about, Ryan, and you've already acknowledged that. But Because on the one hand, you've got... You don't want to say, oh, this kind of kid wouldn't sexually assault a girl because it's not true. Like any yes, kind I'm of kid would do that. Yeah. that. But just in – right, we're, we're not saying that. <laughs> like any kind of kid would do that. I'm just saying as – a like looking at the show and the script literarily, I don't see that character moving in that direction, struggling with – with whatever urges, rage, anger, and then all the, you know, and then he just explodes. He can't control it anymore. And boom, he takes it out on this girl. You just, it's just kind of out of the blue and you can't attribute it to, well, I mean, look, his dad's a complete asshole, but that doesn't seem to be quite enough for me as a viewer to go like, Oh, that's why he did this. You know, even if there had been, even if there had been another girl in the school, Ryan, who in the first episode when Maya is the newest kid in, in town and said, if, if another girl would have been like, hey, stay away from Kevin. Yeah. You know, like he's he, he's he's rough on girls or something like that. Or, just something. Yeah. Just and a little foreshadowing or something. Well, I t I'll tell you two things. I think strong choice to to save this scene for the second episode later to give us a little teaser at the end of the first episode that shows 
Maya holding Kevin at gunpoint because I'm in now. I mean, I'm, uh-huh. I'm going to watch figure out how we got there. Oh, heck right? yeah. So, so again, all yes. the questions we have, I think are, I, I, for me, it's born out of, a, of a, an appreciation for, I know how difficult that, that is, especially the subject matter. And, yeah. you know, yeah. also realizing this is a good show. So there'll be plenty more to talk about. Yeah. Ryan, in general, I agree with you. It is a really well done series and I am very compelled by the characters. Uh, unlike some of the other shows that you and I have watched, I do feel sympathetic towards several of the characters. I'm rooting for them. I want them to be victorious over their turmoil and their struggles. And and yeah, I think it's also just a fascinating story arc in that it's a five-episode series. So let's break it down into, you know, five, 20% if each episode is 20% of the overall story arc and the sexual assault takes place basically at the 40%, you know, at beat 40 out of a hundred, it's an interesting place to put it. And now to see, you know, obviously there's more conflict and tension to be built in the remaining three episodes. So, I mean, it just seems like it would be natural to make the sexual assault happen in the first episode or maybe in the fourth episode, but it's a weird spot to put it in the, at the end of the second episode out of five, which I think is, you know, also could be totally brilliant. And I'm looking forward to seeing how they, Indeed. they pull that off Indeed. and where they go with the story. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. This is, uh, you know, Bear Town episode two. We'll be back next week with Bear Town episode three, which is on HBO Max. This comes from HBO Europe. We hope you're liking it as much as we are. And uh, give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a review, give us a share. Appreciate it. Talk to you next week. Bye.